Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, and welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. My name is Mark, and today, Gail and I are going to talk about partnerships, working with other people, and joint ventures. Looking forward to this one, Gail? Yeah, I'm known for being good at working with other people. <laughs> Sarcasm detected. <laughs> so this podcast was actually in response to a question one of our listeners asked us. And if you want to have your question answered, perhaps we'll even do a full podcast about it like this one, then go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and you can ask us anything. And if you want to follow along for this specific podcast, you can go to authorityhacker.com forward slash partnerships and all the notes, links, transcripts, sorry, and anything else we talk about will be on that page as well. Yeah, we can say we have transcripts now, actually. It's something that we've started doing. Uh, a lot of people have been asking for it. Some people have audition problems or they just don't like listening to podcasts. So like the dialogue will be transcripted and it will be transcribed in a nice way. Like it's actually easy to read. Like it's, it's not just a block of text. So it should be nice. Yep. So the question today comes from Alistair Cotrin, and he's saying, Gail and Mark, what are the pros and cons of working in a partnership rather than going it alone, as many authority site builders do? So, <laughs> so wow, that's, there's so many levels to that question. I think we need to start with our background a little bit. How long have, been we, have we been working together for now? So as we're recording this, it's December 2016, and I think it was July or August 2010, when we first met, had that no. idea. No, it was uh, May 2010. So we'd known each other for about two or three months, two and a half yeah, months okay. before we did it. Interesting. So it's going to be seven years next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> FML. So, uh, I mean, the story of how Gail and I met was basically we met through a common friend that introduced us. He wasn't even there at the time, but he introduced us. I was randomly on my way to Malaysia, stopping off in Singapore, uh, staying with a friend. Gail was also there, and we met up and sort of realized... It was my first job, actually. I just graduated. Like I was like 48 hours out of university, and uh, my first job was in Kuala Lumpur, and you know, I got a flight to Singapore, and you know, was going to take the bus there. And yeah. I guess we ended up going the same direction. Yeah, so like a few days later, we caught up and I was hanging out there trying to, I think I was trying to find an Upwork job at the time as like a, a website project manager or something. And you were working for a SEO company. What were you actually doing for that SEO company? A little, like when I started as a, I was an intern for them when I was a student. So like when I was starting as an intern, like I was like lowest level VA you can hope for. So back the, back in the day, I was doing things like social bookmarking manually and stuff, which was horrible. I have no idea why I kept doing that stuff, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but then I actually bought some books, figured it out. And eventually I was doing like keyword research. And what I did basically was like, they gave me that like kind of like a low level link building jobs, etc., And I figured out how to basically automate everything and replace half the office. So they hired me. <laughs> and uh, basically my job was to like take low level tasks and figure out how to be more efficient at it and then i was doing uh like i was quite you know working with staff etc eventually like I, I was a low level managerial job when i started as a 
like full-time employee yeah and and so like about two months after we met uh, we sort of like became friends we're hanging out quite a lot in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia and I picked up a job and Upwork working for this American web design company just sort of like managing a bunch of again they're like outsourced staff and you know liaising with the clients and, and that sort of thing and I think it was like one of my mom's friends was actually asking my mom about if I knew anything about building websites. We were having a chat about it, and I was like, yeah, I could build a website. And you're like, well, I could do the SEO. <laughs> and I, I I can't quite remember how the conversation went because there was, to be honest, there was quite a lot of alcohol involved. But we're like, at some point, it was just like, yeah, we should totally start a business. We have together. a photo of that discussion. <laughs> like, there's a photo of us and, like, a table full of empty beer bottles. <laughs> that should be added to the show notes of that podcast, I think. I hate looking I'm, at photos from back then. <laughs> I mean, I have a horrible haircut, like, I used to have for a long time. But, uh, yeah, whatever. It's kind of funny. So, I mean, basically, we, we had this drunken idea, like, let's start an SEO business together. Well, it wasn't quite SEO, like I'll do websites, you do the SEO kind of thing. We offer some kind of package. And then we got, we literally got together the next next day and actually took action on it, which I guess I was sort of surprised in a way that we actually did it. Well, you invited yeah. me to your place and I heard you had nice food, so I came over, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. That was how you were convinced. Anyway, we literally stayed up about half the night just kind of like brainstorming how and trying to like structure out how something like this would work we're kind of like trying to bring in areas of understanding areas of knowledge from like i mean gail from the seo side me from the web design side and i can't really remember how it evolved after that we never really ended up doing much web design I mean, the, the idea is like we had two sites, right? It was one was a uh, madcheapseo.com and the other one was like mad something. Mad pro web design. designer. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you spent Key, half the night stuff. doing the Photoshop <laughs> banner for the homepage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which you kind of scrape from Google Images, but yeah. Priorities. Uh, anyway, I think we should go back to the topic of the podcast. Since then, obviously things have evolved a lot. We ran this digital marketing essentially agency for four or four and a half years, some of like that. And there was actually another partner involved in the start. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But just in general, like from all of this, like I know, I, I guess like most people are doing this kind of stuff now working on authority sites are doing it on their own. What do you think is like, I mean, what's your favorite and least favorite thing about uh, partnership? Uh, I mean, it really depends on your personality, right? So like these things I'm going to say, they might be like easy for you or hard for you, etc. Personally, I know that I get lazy when nobody's looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the way it works. It's like, you know, like, and I feel a lot of people in this industry do. Like, a lot of people say they do a lot of stuff, but then when you check it out, it's actually yeah. not that much, you know? And so I think the fact that we have that is like, I'm looking at you all the time and you're looking at me all the time. So I'm kind of walking a lot more because of that. It's not like I'm suffering for it or anything. It's just like, because you know you're observed, you're just like, we know we're going to have a call once a week and we're going to talk about it or we're going to meet in person or whatever. And so, like, I, I just can't show up having done nothing, you know? It's like, when you have to do your homework and, like, you're going to be presenting in front of the class at the end of the week or whatever. Like, you kind of have to put something together. It's like yeah. having having someone to report to in a normal job, like a boss or a manager, although it's it's not, it doesn't work Exactly no, it's not like, like that. This, but it's, but it's I, the I, feeling it, of showing. Yeah. When when you're just working on your own, though, it, it's like 
you can lose motivation sometimes and just not be bothered to do something. Um, uh, yeah. But if you know someone else is there at the other end, like working away, you feel guilty about like not doing that. So your motivation kind of like comes from each other rather than just from how you happen to be feeling that day. I think especially these type of procrastination kicks in in two cases. One, when you're just getting started, you're not really making money from that stuff and you still have the option to fail, right? Like, you know, you're not making a living from that stuff. You have a job, you have other things, etc. It's easy to back out and be like, okay, that wasn't for me. So in that case, like, if you're walking alone, I think that is one of the reasons why a lot of people fail. The second one is actually when you are making enough to make an okay living and, you know, it's time to grow more. And I know a lot of people that walk alone that get stuck at this couple thousand dollars a month threshold. And some of them manage to get there in like six months, but then are stuck there for like five years or more. And that is, I believe, because that kind of like laziness procrastination kicks in and you're like oh it's okay i can like travel and buy what i want etc yeah it's like kind of when you when you don't have any money and you know you need to feed yourself and stuff then there's quite external motivation comes from that but once you get to that comfortable level where you can easily afford maybe you're living in a cheap city or cheap country you can easily afford to you know all your expenses to eat out all that kind of stuff. Usually it's a two, three K per month yep. threshold. Yep. You know, like a lot of people like essentially like a decent salary, like nothing crazy, but like a, a, especially if you live in a cheap city, like two, three K can go a long way. Like when Budapest, you can, I live with a lot less than that right now. That is when this, you can actually push through these ceilings, which is getting started and going beyond just paying for your expenses and your living. Uh, I think that. In these two cases, having a partnership is really, really quite powerful. And, you know, some people might be able to motivate themselves on their own and it's good for them. But for me, it's like I'm a bit like that. So that helps. The people who are successful working very much on their own, they still tend to have these kind of like support groups. Like they're in a lot of masterminds or, yeah. you know, these kind of accountability groups where there are, there are people sort of actually checking that they're getting shit done. Yeah, it's one of these things where like people ask me about it and I just can't help because it's just you and me basically and I'm part of none of that stuff. I know you do some of that stuff actually. How is that complimentary actually? So it's not really a mastermind. It's like an accountability thing and it's more we just, just, it's like we have a call once a month and just discuss like what everyone's up to and like basically summarize last month and then set goals with like penalties for next month. So for example, in November, one of my goals was I want to have a new Authority Hacker podcast launched every Monday because we'd been skipping a lot of weeks yep. in like the months before when we were doing the launch and stuff. And I set myself a $250 per time missed penalty. So if I would miss it, then I would have to pay $250 to some like organization that I hate, like Scientology or something like that. So. Yeah, that's quite a motivator. And we, you know, I did it and I attribute a lot of other things to, you know, having that kind of accountability. Of course, you know, I could, well, it's not really possible to lie in that situation. But another example was I went to the dentist a few years ago and she told me that I had to floss my teeth every day. So I did the same thing with that, like 25 bucks for every time I missed it and ended up not doing it twice and paying $50 to some charity that I hated. Um, and it's a really good way to actually accomplish. How does that complement the partnership though? Like, why don't we do that? 
why don't you give me money? I'd prefer that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Maybe we should incorporate that. <laughs> no, I mean, like, to be honest, it's not just, like, work stuff. There's a lot of personal things, like going to the gym and, you know, dieting and, like, you this flossing thing. Yeah. Sorry? Paying a lot for the gym then, right now. <laughs> yeah, that's not one of my uh, goals at the moment. But yeah, I mean, this, I guess it's more like of a personal thing, but we also talk about certain work yeah, objectives okay. and stuff. Just having but it's something like, you could do in a partnership. It's just, it's something that I don't really need, like, as long as we have a defined plan. And that's one thing that I'm going to bring in my next point is like, as long as we have a defined plan, like, I'm just going, like, I'm waking up at like 6.50 every morning, like, brushing my teeth, etc. And just, I walk at like 8 a.m. and just like, I'm still at it. It's like 5.20 right now, but I'm still at it for another two, three hours. And I'm pretty good at, at being, uh, I, I usually say being German, but I hope nobody gets offended. <laughs> but another thing that I really like about the partnership is being able to debate decisions. Yeah. So like, it's, it's like, I don't think I'm an idiot, but in many cases, like if I just made the decisions alone, I would have made a lot of stupid decisions by lack of understanding or just lack of, yeah, actually weighing the pros and cons and thinking about all the case scenarios of what could happen based on my decision, et cetera. And we do that a lot. Like we do that like several times a week, pretty often. Of like, you know, what should we do in this situation, etc. And the thing is, if you are not in a partnership, you know, you people have like advisors and stuff. But these people are not really working on your stuff. They don't know nearly as much about what you're doing as if you're actually working with someone. Yeah. And so that I think is the one thing that has really made it worth it for me. It's like I don't know if it's my personality where I'm struggling to make decisions on my own. Like I do that with Perrin as well. Like every content decision for Atari Hacker, like I have a one hour call with him and we debate it, etc. Mm-hmm. But yeah, having these debates and eventually being able to make better decisions is, I think, a really powerful thing that comes with it. it usually how it works is like there's some kind of problem, but neither of us are really 100% sure what the problem yeah. or the solution is. So we have a debate and it gets more and more heated. And then, like, like magical thing happens, and then we both like, oh yeah, that was obvious. Like, we need to do this, or we don't. We need to stop doing this. But you know, um, it's like it's one of these things where it could go wrong if people have the wrong personality. Like, some people just never want to admit they're wrong or never want to change their mind. You know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's like it would be very, very complicated to have this kind of relationship with someone like that like we both are super logical so like every time like if the other one has a better logical argument it's like oh okay and then like everything's forgotten yeah Um, that's quite an interesting thing actually because i i mean i've never really been been in well maybe a few examples but like partnerships where people like there's someone who's like really kind of emotionally involved like has an ego around things because that can be massively distracting if you have to try and like influence each other rather yeah. than just sort of look at the data, look at the facts, and then like it's obvious what the solution is. If it's emotional, it stays after the argument as well. So you can imagine yeah. the ongoing tensions and stuff. Yeah. There's been times when Gail's been like, okay, do this. You should do this. So I spent ages doing something. And it's like, actually, that's <laughs> the wrong thing. We're not going to use any of it. And I'm like, okay, makes sense. You know, yeah, it happens. We make mistakes. It's, it's, it's like not the point is. It's not the fact that we made the mistake. It's like 
just because we did it in many, you know, if you were in a corporate situation, someone would get really pissed at that and yeah. be like, oh, but I spent all this time in it. But like, it doesn't matter. We both, our interests are both aligned and we both want to do what's best for the company. Yeah, uh, it's like uh, one thing I wanted to add as well is like the debating is really good uh, if you people have the right personality. However, because you're debating and you're bringing someone in that essentially has the same, like their opinion has the same weight as yours, you're going to have to make compromises. Like you, it's your company, but it's not 100% everything you want all the time. And same thing, like it's one of these things where you need to take the emotions away. And sometimes as well, it's like, once again, I feel like I'm like in a therapy right now. <laughs> Once again, it might have been my personality, but sometimes I also had to accept that, you know, I felt it was a mistake and half the time it was a mistake, but we still need to go that way so that we actually progress as a group, even if that means that I'm there, but the rest of the group is not there. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes I'm not there, but the rest of the group is there, etc. And, you know, these compromises and these... Uh, Essentially, the non-ultra-optimized use of time sometimes is something that can be frustrating and comes as a, you know, as the double-edged sword of the debate part and making better decisions. Sometimes you also make decisions that would be slightly worse than if you were alone, I think. Yeah, like when you have to stop, when you have a really good idea and like you you kind of know 100% that that's the thing thing that needs to happen, but then you have to stop and kind of explain the why. Yeah. And like justify it, you know, and get the other person kind of like on board with it. That can be frustrating sometimes, but I think it's a worthwhile trade off. As Gail said, like as long as the personalities are in our case, like both like similarly logical, I guess. Yeah. And also like we just don't like once it's over, it's over. Like I don't even think about the arguments after or whatever, you know? So yeah. Uh, What about you? So, I mean, I definitely would echo what you said at the start, like being in a partnership definitely forces you to work harder or longer. That can be both good and bad. <laughs> I guess, uh, I mean, the reason I got into internet marketing in the first place was probably because of the four hour work week book by Tim Ferriss. And I think a lot of people who have read that book realize that, you know, nobody who's successful is working four hours a week. That's, that's I do four hour work weeks three times a day, you know? Yeah. So I think there's a good chance that at certain points when we, when I got to that like comfortable, you know, two, three, four K a month income that I would have probably tried to do something like that. But partnerships like create this pressure to commit equal or more value than the other person. It's like, it's kind of like a competition in a way, or at least it is in my mind. So basically, as long as I'm not slacking, you're not slacking. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay. But it, it's it's not even like a one plus one equals two thing. It's like a one plus one equals three thing because there are things which you could do, there are things which I could do, but there are things which neither of us could do, which we can only do together, if that makes sense. And again, if you have the right personalities behind the partnership, you can definitely find a lot of interesting synergies. In, in do you have an example? I think the launch plannings, et cetera, for example, like... Yeah, so that was quite a fluid thing. When we were planning the Authority Hacker launch, we had this, I think it was back in June or July, we had this big planning session. We are like, okay, what are all the things we need to do? And what's the order we need to do it? Who's going to do it? That kind of thing. And there's not really a hard and fast rule or way of, of doing a launch that's, you know, correct. So we took ideas from some people we had some of our own ideas how we could use 
another structure, the video fruit one, but within make it more relevant to our audience. And like, definitely if I had been doing that on my own, I would not have come up with the, the sort of system that we, we put in place. And I don't think you would have either. It was just this, basically the concept was like, we were trying to round up all the subscribers from all of our different channels. So from like SoundCloud on the podcast, through affiliates, through the blog, through email. Yeah, you get the idea. But like more like that was the defining like pillars of our strategy rather than what the actual piece of content was itself. It was like, what's the channel? It's quite a conceptual thing, but it's, uh, I just thought that was quite an interesting point. It was good. Like it, we couldn't have done it on our own, but we could do it together. As a negative, I would say I definitely take like less holidays, less like t- spend less time on like personal goals or, you know, personal stuff. So like, I, I guess there's like a less enjoyment thing out of it that way. But again, it's more like, I feel it's like a worthwhile sacrifice because there's more value being generated. And it's like the rewards are going to be like much higher, like in the long term. I don't think it's like less enjoy. I mean, for me, it's not less enjoyment. It's like, it's like, I mean, I really take building all this stuff, like playing a video game. So it's like, for me, I'm like super addicted to what I do. And like, you know, I can't do it less than eight hours a day. And even when I'm out, I'm thinking about it, etc. So personally, like that is my enjoyment. Literally, like I replaced online games with online marketing. No, but I mean, you still play Overwatch a lot, right? Yeah, I mean, the, do you think it's fair to say thing? that if if you didn't have a weekly meeting, that you had to like explain what you've been doing and whether that thing you said you you're gonna do last week is done, that you would play more Overwatch? I get frustrated, you know. Yeah. I'm not I know that for, good. I know actually. for a fact I would. Um, um, I play it, but yeah. No, I mean I stop on my own. Like seriously, like uh, look, the um, the authority side system was finished before the deadline, like two weeks before. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't play for two weeks after, you know, and I could have, or I could have like taken more time or whatever. I just enjoy it as much. It's like it's like playing two games essentially, and I get frustrated playing too much Overwatch anyway. So that is the game, the good kind of game to play because you don't overplay. But yeah, personally, I don't find it less enjoyment. I, definitely, personal life is like secondary. It's like for a long time I wouldn't even go get a haircut. So that is <laughs> that is level the level that which well, is just laziness. That. Come on. Once again, it depends on like the kind of partnership you have, right? Some people might just say like, you know, a lot of people have partnerships where they all work on different projects. I think it's quite important to take a second here and explain what we're doing actually. Where it's like essentially everything we're involved is like we split it in half and we're not involved in anything else. Yeah. That's actually one of the most crucial things of any, any partnership is it's not really what you bring into it, but it's what you do while you're in the partnership. So that's why any proper partnership should be like an equal split, even if you have two, three, four, five people in it. Yeah. And like limited in other projects, you know, cause so many people like they, they partner with like 25 people and they, they work like 20 minutes per day on each project or something. Yeah. And I would not wonder. I mean, even like when it copycat, we had a partner that was working maybe like half time on it. Mm-hmm. It felt light to me, you know, it's like I just didn't feel the level of commitment that I feel that we have, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, you don't want to spend your time, and I, that's going to bring us to a really big point that I wanted to talk about as well about. Is like, you don't want to be policing each other. You don't want, you just want to be able to like trust people and be like 100% sure that they, they put as much energy as they can in, in stuff. And I believe the reason a lot of stuff fails is not because it's a bad idea or because the, even the execution is bad, which is still challenging. 
I think it's because people are just not committed or have other incentives to do other things, i.e., you know, personal enjoyment, personal life, or other projects, other ways of making money, etc. And if you bring too many of these in your life, then essentially you're like, uh, you know, there was that, this experiment where they put like, they surrounded a dog with food like in a circle. And like the dog let himself die because he didn't know which direction to go, you know? <laughs> it's a little bit like that, essentially. You end up like not going into one direction and pushing really hard on something. It's definitely more hardcore than most people do, but they're like, Maybe two partnerships, but like, like you would need to spend a significant amount of time and energy into that project. I mean, that partner we had on Copycock, like a year later, didn't know the market nearly as much as he should have, et cetera. And that is because he had so many other things and he had other successful companies and he was a smart guy. But it's just like, if you are not committed to it, then it's very complicated. So I think that was important to say. And yeah, one thing you need to maintain that is, very tricky is the highest level of trust possible. You cannot have a doubt on the person you work with, especially when you're making money. Can you give us some examples of that? I mean, like anything, like, you, you know, you could take the credit card and go buy stuff. And like, and unless I checked, I wouldn't know. Like, I need to be able to trust you for that. It's like trust with their time, trust with the money of the company, but also trust with the representation of the company. Like, especially if the communication is not perfect, you know, you're essentially tying your success to the mistakes of others. And that is quite stressful, especially if it's someone you can't rely on. And that's why, like, while we've never had problems with each other, like, we've had other partners, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later, that it didn't work out with. And, and one of the things is, we could not trust the quality of their work or them representing what we do. Like we couldn't trust them alone on a call with someone important or something like that. And as a result, it's like it didn't work out. And like the, the essentially, you know, the blame chain started and it didn't work out very well. So as I said, you need to like, you cannot compromise on who you work with. You need to be a hundred percent behind their work. And Otherwise, they should not be on the same level as you, and it's either, it probably shouldn't happen. You know, I think that reminds you of something. Watch, I think location is also quite a good thing, uh, quite an important thing, because one of the partnerships we were in before, Gail and I were in the same physical location, but the other partner was not, and I definitely think that that plays a role in things. I mean, don't get me wrong; there have been times when Gail or I have have, have gone traveling, sometimes for several months at a time, and you know it's been fine. Like because, but th- there is a certain thing, especially when you're starting, that being in the same room, being able to meet face to face, definitely, at least for me, it definitely adds a lot to it. That I think, I think there's probably quite a few situations where which might have caused our partnership to break up had we not, especially in the early days, had we not been you know working yeah. together in this. Basically, you need like. Place. You need a hundred or two hundred hours together in the same place. Yeah. Before you can walk remotely. I mean, it's something we bring up with employees as well. So, like, we're hiring people for Authority Hacker. We sent an email, so a lot of people should know already. But it's very, very likely that we're going to bring people here for a while, have this time face to face, and after that, walk remotely. And that is even more important for like partnerships. It's, it works the same way. And you need to have, you know, that trust. It develops through having these heated debates and having them end well and essentially aligning your visions as you talk with each other. 
you will change your vision a bit of what you're going to do. Your partner will change his vision a bit and eventually it's going to be coming to a much closer place than where it was at the beginning. And that's when you can start, you know, trusting with, for example, having a call with an investor or like a big client or something without you being here and knowing that it's going to be, you know, nothing stupid is going to be said or something that is outside of what you wanted your company to be or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a good point. When we first started our marketing agency, we were in like an unequal partnership where you and I had 25% each and the other other guy had 50%. Like, why do you think that partnership failed? Do you think it was purely because of this or were there other reasons? Uh, personalities, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like when I debate about stuff, once again, I mean, like, I mean, uh, I mean, a session right now. When I debate about stuff, I'm like quite behind my ideas and like I'll push them hard, but like I'll also take a, a logical argument that makes them like if they're wrong by, if they're proved wrong by logic, then I'll say, okay. And our partner was just not taking these intense, passionate <laughs> debates very well. And that's why it didn't work, I think. And the location didn't help. He was in another location. Therefore, you know, that created more distance and that made these debates more painful to him than they should have been. Those were definitely factors. I think the inequality, you know, we started off with a, a very clear idea of what we wanted to do. But obviously, I mean, this is definitely going to happen to your business. It's yeah. what you start, the idea you start out with is nothing like what it'll end up with. So, you know, just expect that it will change completely. And this can make things difficult if you f- like structure your partnership agreement with the intent that, you know, someone's going to d- perform a certain role or own a certain percentage based on what you'd initially planned. Then it all changes then you kind of have to change the basis of your partnership agreement. So like you have to kind of go into it with a level of flexibility there, I think, as well. Because yeah, chances are your business will change as you as you grow in a in a massive way. And you know, like Facebook, the perfect example of that, you know, if anyone's seen the social network, the movie. It's also like when it's in equal, it's like it gives too much especially in our case it was like 25, 25, 50. So I mean, it was a weird one. So if we both agreed and the other person like had another vision, essentially, like there was no issue to that. Yeah, it was. It made the decision for the decisions for the company very complicated, and that created these heated debates and stuff. So that's why, like, I'd rather be equal with people, and but they they better bring as much as I bring, and that that is, you are allowed to put pressure on people if you're you know contributing, and they have as much as you, and that is. I think the healthiest way of doing it this way, there's no, it also feels like you're working for someone else when you, a little bit, when you have someone that has a lot more than you. And especially if you start at the same time, when people join later, then it makes more sense, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's what I'm saying. But if you start at the same time and you're both contributing as much time, unless that other person also contributes money or like other resources. Even then, unless it's like a huge amount of investment, then even if it's like, you know, if we're talking about five figures here, then I don't think it's really that significant. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of business you're doing. But uh, just remember, like, you can make a lot of money further down the line, but it's the time that you invest into it that you can't, can't sort of change or you can't create more of. Yeah. So essentially, go for equal partners, especially if you want to have these debates and stuff, because otherwise, like... One person with more equity is just going to be like, yeah, well, I count more, so I win. 
and yeah. you won't have these debates, you know. And essentially, yeah. you're going to make worse decisions because of that. Yeah, and I think that uh, to use the copycock example again, I mean, when you are in an equal partnership, if someone's not pulling their weight, then say so, you know. Yeah. Like it, it, have that discussion earlier rather than later. Get everything out in the open and don't fuck around, basically. But I mean, that is the way we like to do things. I, I, a lot of people like to like have different levels and different everything. To be honest, I think it's a lot of joking around and have the time. These companies are not successful anyway. So like, I'd rather build a healthy base and build something that actually makes money rather than like, you know, argue over something that literally has no value at the beginning, you know? Yeah. And if that means giving up a little bit at the beginning, that's fine. But that is actually a tool for me to put pressure on people to actually work hard on the project. Yep. All right. Let's talk about roles and responsibilities. So over the years, as our businesses change massively, so has what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, what each of us are doing. How is that kind of like evolved and how is that decided? I mean, typically in a, you know, tech startup kind of environment, you'll have the the business guy and the, the software developer. But I mean, you have like the CTO, the CEO and the CEO, you know? Yeah. In our case, like we, neither of us really fit well into either of those either of those roles i think yeah i mean i'm like more of the creative guy and you're more like the execution guy i think that that is more how it breaks down i i think it's like gail will figure something out (laughs) the locks himself in his room for two weeks comes out and says i have an idea and sort of like execute a, a rough version of it and then, I mean, the outreach is probably quite a good recent example. I'd come along and be like, okay, so we need this person to do this, and then this person to do this. This is the process flow. How can we scale it? How can we make it? How can we automate it kind of thing? That's, I mean, that's just a rough, rough idea. There are certain things which I tend to do more of, like all the legal and accounting admin kind of stuff, which I know you love. That was um, one of my pros, actually, you know, <laughs> in my notes. I saw that, actually. I don't yeah. have to deal with all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's like getting into some like super complex site structure and like, you know, a four days of keyword research to figure something out, then, you know, Gail will probably step up and do that as opposed to me. I think your, your technical knowledge in these things out, certainly outweighs It's mine. like structuring. Like I'm good at structuring stuff. Like I'm not necessarily good at like making it come to life. Yeah, but I'm good at like actually like really conceptualizing complex things, and uh, that's also why, for example, it works really well with Perrin and I, because Perrin he's like he's a guy that can write a lot. I'd say I'm probably a little bit better at like structuring the content, editing it, etc., like finding the little things that make it stand out, etc. So I'm more of a of a real optimizer and like researcher idea guy. I think the takeaway from this is is generally like try and have some kind of like general set roles. I mean, they can always overlap, but like certain areas which each person in a partnership is kind of responsible for and can can take ownership of. Otherwise, you may get into a situation where like, oh, that was you were supposed to do that. No, you were supposed to do that. No, you were supposed to do that. So, I mean, even if it's not your typical, you're the CEO, you're the CTO, you know, it can be in other areas like the ones we've, we've described, but having those roles has certainly always been beneficial in certainly every partnership I've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to actually know yourself and know what you're good at and try to actually not work with someone who is good as what you, at what you're good at. Because yes. all that's going to do is going to create conflicts over how to do things better. 
on things that you both probably can do well already. So picking someone that has like a different skill set is super important, especially when you're just getting started and you're like, you don't need two people, three people, whatever. Especially, I think, in online marketing as well, because there are many areas which are quite subjective. Yeah. And it's not like there's an absolute only definitive way to do a certain thing to produce content. So if two people are really like have a really strong idea about what to produce or how to produce it, then you, you can progress slower than if it's just one person, you know, making the decisions and implementing. Um, yeah. Do you believe in these uh, personality tests and stuff, like using that with the help? What are you again? Uh, are you talking about the Myers-Briggs thing? Yeah, I think I'm INTJ. I, I think, think I'm that. ENTJ. So so that is completely defeating the, the plan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Although maybe it's kind of like, I think maybe it's like having similar personalities, but not necessarily similar skill sets. Skill sets, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's quite, it's not really a scientific. No, you know, actually way, I was reading stuff that it, says it actually means nothing. So I, I personally don't believe in all that stuff. I'm very, I'm almost like anti-self-help stuff. So so this is not the kind of stuff I, I necessarily subscribe to. But, uh, you know, some people, a lot of people that we meet talk about that and uh, care about that. I know some people that we know, like, make people take these tests before they hire them. And if they don't have a specific personality type, they don't hire them, no matter how good they are, you know. I mean, we've done that, and I think in some cases we still do that when we're hiring people. But to be honest, it's not a criteria for getting the job or not. It's to kind of understand, you know, what type of person is that we're working with, so that when if we do hire that person, they, that we're better able to interact and manage them. At least that's how I was looking at it. Okay, I think we need to stop talking about ourselves a little bit. <laughs> okay, and we need to talk about how people can find a business partner, what they should look at, and what they should probably try to avoid. Although you know we've mentioned all of these things, I think it's going to be good to summarize a little bit. So first of all, should you pick something, someone you know for a long time, or someone that someone you just met, you know, through some kind of entrepreneur group or on a Facebook? Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I don't, I don't think you should go with some random that you met on Tinder or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, you and I had a pre-existing relationship of like two months i mean call that yeah. what you will but i definitely think knowing someone and meeting them face to face being part of having some common ground at least is is super important especially in the early days to like get through tough times you know it's not a coincidence i think that the most common type of partnership or business is a family business you know throughout history throughout the world so there's there's definitely something to be said about going with someone you know although i think we also would you start a business with your girlfriend no way (laughs) okay no no i think that would just cause too much strain like you're living together you're working i mean not that we live together but if you're living together you're working together you know you're spending all your time together and on in a startup phase that's basically how we started you know in a startup phase yeah I mean, you, you're working really like crazy hours and doing all sorts of manic stuff to get to meet deadlines and to, to sort of hustle your way up there. But that could definitely put a huge strain on, on a relationship. I do know people who, who are doing it. I met this guy, Miles Beckler, I think was his last name. And his, I think it was his wife or certainly long-term partner. And they have a hugely successful authority site. They travel together. They work together. But they do have very distinct roles within their, like, one is more tech and marketing and one is more content. So mm-hmm. I don't think they're, like, in each other's faces so much throughout the day, but I don't know. These are not hard and fast rules. For every rule, there's an exception. But in general, I think that 
having someone you kind of know but are not you know super best friends with because i think that can put a lot of strain on yeah on your on your friendship the is the best way to in terms of practical examples of where to find people i know a lot of people who met through the dc dynamite circle it's just this big sort of mastermind kind of group there's about 500 or so online entrepreneurs who have started businesses together met through there so any kind of group where similarly minded people are going to be hanging out you know it could be at your local co-working space it could be in a facebook group could be you know in authority hacker pro something like that wouldn't surprise me if if there would be some good opportunities to meet meet people who you could go into business with there so basically socialize in these circles and when you meet someone cool and you get to know them for maybe a couple of weeks then you can float the idea of doing something together and see yeah, what it's not really there's not really a hard and fast rule i think it just sort of naturally will will come up if if there's a mutual ground like or some kind of common ground to, to do i don't like together. that sounds like create good content and everything's gonna happen <laughs> The other way is like, oh, you, what are you going to do? Post a Facebook ad and, uh, you know, no, but I think, uh, I think uh, the formula is one, get invested into your at least local or online groups of entrepreneurs. But like, don't like say I'm looking for a co-founder. Just say, just get invested in these masterminds, in these Facebook groups, etc. Like talk, ask questions, uh, help people go to the real life meetups, have drinks, Add people on Facebook, hang out, like go for lunch the next day, etc. And then just like socialize essentially. And eventually, as the discussion comes up, you will see grounds where you can work together and flow the idea to that person after a couple of weeks of knowing them. And even like small things, like I would probably screen on like when we say we're going to meet for lunch, do they arrive on time, etc. Yeah. And if this person looks like they would be a good fit, then I would like offer it and if you're starting from scratch it's not a lot of stakes you know it's like it's probably people listening they'll be like hey i create a website i do the marketing you'll probably work on a product and be the face of the business or something and you can work together so i think that is more or less the formula if i was looking for a co-founder i would do that the other thing i want to say about that is you have to be careful because if you're a high quality individual you have certain skill sets especially you may be in a situation where you start getting lots and lots of people approaching oh, you yeah. to do business offers to do businesses together pick one and do that one of the worst things you can do is as we mentioned earlier is jump onto several ideas at the same time and have you know half your day and then half your evening doing another project and then working weekends codings for someone else or something like that so yeah you cannot like you don't need 20 successful companies to make money yeah you just need one and you make more than enough so you know, be invested a lot in your projects, work on a few things. That's kind of counterintuitive to the way a lot of people used to build websites. Like a lot of people used to build like 50 sites or 100 sites, each making a dollar a day, you know? Yeah. That is not the way anymore. Okay, let's talk for a second before we finish up about joint ventures. Okay. Which are slightly different from partnerships. I'm not talking about the JV Zoo type joint venture, which is just means an affiliate sort of yeah. promotion but an actual joint venture where two people or two companies come together to create a specific product or offering i mean we've done that fairly recently with some stuff on on health ambition i mean how would you rate or how would you sort of compare and contrast the two a joint venture and a, and a partnership and when should you opt for one versus the other i mean joint venture is like on a specific project essentially 
So like, you know, partnership is like, well, it's a whole company and like joint venture, like it, in that case, that was like two ebooks, I think. Yeah. It's like, it can work, but once again, it's all about matching. It, you, all the rules of finding a co-founder apply here, yeah. like matching in terms of personality, committing as much time, etc., etc. I think it's good in the sense that, for example, you and I were not health experts in the case of health ambition. Mm-hmm. And in that case, that was a health expert that knew what he was doing and he worked on paid products for health ambition. And, you know, there's no way we could have built that on our own with the same level of credibility and value for the customers. So I view it a little bit like very high quality outsourcing, you know? Yep. You need to apply everything you use to find a co-founder. It it can be useful in some cases, but it also is quite easy to not make it work. And because incentives are misaligned, etc., it is quite complicated as well. For yeah. us, it works like so-so. I think the incentive part of it is huge. You really have to nail those, and it's very tricky. I mean, we could do an entire podcast, probably several podcasts about incentives, because it's, it's just... I don't think anyone would listen to that, though. Incredibly <laughs> complex topic about motivating people and you know game theory and all this kind of economic arguments for it. But at the end of the day, you just have to kind of, as a general way to approach it, is make sure you're both working towards a common goal, and you're both mutually both parties will mutually benefit if that's successful and that's kind of the foundation of a, of a joint venture you, you should never try and sort of screw over the other person or get more than you know get more out of it because at some point they're going to realize and they're going to just pull out or you know stop trying or it's just not going to work out yep so i mean yeah other than that once again also like splitting yeah, splitting the money is, is quite tricky, especially when you have JVs, but you also have like affiliates and stuff. Yeah. There's a lot like you need to pay for, you know, any kind of like structural costs you have to deliver in your product. You need to pay Doing for affiliates and stuff. It gets really you need to pay for traffic. Well, yeah. And it's like, and so, you know, it's quite frequent that sometimes only like 20% of the transaction or 30% of the transaction is left. And then you need to split that money even more, et cetera. What you need to be careful is not splitting too much in the sense that you know a transaction is basically meaningless for everyone at that point and so like looking at the cost and looking at making sure that everyone stays involved and stuff it can be tricky for digital products but it's also the way i think it's the way of the future for like high quality authority sites and i think we're going to have to work on this a little bit more as well yeah uh, i think if we if want you're... to start big authority sites we'll need to partner with like experts in the niche and stuff and yeah. just bring our online marketing knowledge to the table yeah, I think for a lot of people listening out here, that's probably the most obvious joint venture they're doing. You know, they will bring the the marketing tech side of things and partner up with someone who's a more of a subject expert and who can deliver awesome content. I think the trick there is not just to jump head first into a joint venture or partnership and rather to actually work with them a little bit beforehand. You know, in, in the case of, of Health Ambition, we'd worked with this guy for I think six months previously, the year before doing just a bunch of regular content for for health ambition so you know there was a level of trust which was which had been built up there over time and we knew the quality was was where it needed to be so so yeah Yeah, because usually the joint ventures you bring them into an already established business you know yeah yeah whereas these partnerships you know you start a company together so the company is worth nothing at the beginning of a partnership you're not really taking any risk but into your established company like you are putting like your time that's valuable because your company is making money on the line, but also your credibility, etc. So small commitment and then increasing is definitely a good idea. Yeah. 
All right. Any final points on partnerships, JVs, that sort of stuff? I just feel like people looked into my soul in the podcast. That was a long one. It's been a while. We didn't do a long like that. It was a little bit all over the place. I hope people still got some value. Let us know in the comments and thanks for listening, I guess. Yeah, once again, you can leave a comment on this podcast. Go to authorityhacker.com forward slash partnerships. And if you want to ask us a question and perhaps we'll do a 55-minute podcast in response to that question, (laughs) go to authorityhacker.com forward slash ask and you can ask us anything about marketing, partnerships, what our favorite kind of beer is or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.